Baby, if I made you mad For something I might have said Please don't forget my past The future looks bright ahead Don't be cruel To who heart is true Ah, welcome to episode 622 of the world's favorite pinball podcast. I'm your host, Kaneda, and we might be a little bit cruel on this episode. Now, I'm not going to be really cruel, but I'm going to say some stuff that is going to ruffle some feathers. I will take the arrows in the back, but everything I'm about to tell you on this episode of Kaneda's Pinball Podcast, I firmly believe, and I know a lot of you out there, a lot of you out there believe this too, and that is why... The Canada Army just keeps on growing. We are now at 208 people on Patreon. I want to welcome Brian, Robin, Rich, Michael Lee, Eric, and Aaron to the party. This just does not stop, and thank you so much for the support. Here's what we're going to do, and this is going to be a fun episode. I'm going to not hold back when I talk about a few things right now, and I want to just tell you how I feel about some stuff, and I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm just trying to tell you what's been going on in the pinball world. Now, the first thing I need to talk about is this great news, and I'm not going to be cruel here, is that friend of the show and longtime pinball streamer, probably the greatest pinball streamer of all time, this man has the ability to play pinball, entertain you, and follow the Twitch chat as it's happening in real time, all while he's playing a pinball machine. You know him as Jack Danger, Four-time Twippy Award winner for Best Pinball Streamer, Mr. Jack Danger, is now contracted by Stern Pinball and helped make and is the designer on the new Jurassic Park pinball machine. I just want to say, first and foremost, Jack congratulations. I think I called this. I said Jack Danger was going to be designing with Stern Pinball, and here it is. Canada's right once again. This is really good news, and it's great to see Jack Danger joining Stern Pinball. I mean, I love that he says, I'm a contractor. I'm a contractor. I'm not working with Stern. It's like saying Lyman Sheets is not working at CGC. If you're contracted by only one pinball company, and you've never worked for another pinball company or taken pay from them, you're You're pretty much working at Stern Pinball. He's wearing a Stern jacket. I mean, when I go on the Stern website, whose face do I see wearing all of the Stern merchandise? It's no other than Mr. Jack Danger, maybe the most handsome man in pinball next to Canada. So what do I think about the Jurassic Park Home Edition? I think this game looks better than Led Zeppelin Pro. I really do. I think this game looks like the best home version Stern has ever made. This thing has drop targets, it has a moving mech, it has the big T-Rex head that locks the ball and then spits them out. When you look at this game, it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like, oh my god, Stern can actually make a home game that everyone is not laughing at. There is nothing I would change in this game for the price point other than one thing. There's one thing that is just so embarrassing, so sad looking, and it's that tiny little display between the speakers. Stern, come on. We know that an LCD display is like 
30 bucks at most. And this is still a $4,500 item. I still don't understand why the display looks so bad. We all know that screens are cheap. I don't know, right? It's like everything looks beautiful on the play field. The cabinet looks great. The translate looks great. And then you see that tiny little display. And that is the only thing I would change if I were Stern. But when you think about it, right? When people go into a distributor or a showroom and are looking for a pinball machine, this is probably the best theme that has such a mainstream audience. It's dinosaurs. And when you're shopping for a pinball machine for your family, and you're not a diehard, right? You don't care about deep rule sets. You don't care about wizard modes, even though this has two wizard modes in it. If you just want an entry-level pinball machine, this is probably the best entry-level pinball machine of all time. And there's something to be said for that. And nobody, and really nobody has serviced that side of the market. You know, I always argue that P3 Multimorphic is probably the best machine to learn pinball on, but it's $10,000. That's not an entry-level price. So for $45.99, which is the MSRP, you can order from Stern today the Jurassic Park Home Edition. Now, I did find the quote pretty funny from Gary Stern. He says, Jurassic Park is an iconic film featuring something we all love, dinosaurs. The Jurassic Park pin is designed to provide quality family entertainment and bring pinball fun to homes everywhere, said Gary Stern. This game will be an incredible addition to any home. Any home, Gary said. Really, Gary? Do you think this would be a great addition, Gary, to a single-parent home in which they're underwater in debt and they need to buy a $4,500 pinball machine? I'm not so sure this would be a great addition to any home, but it's definitely a great addition to homes that are looking to have a pinball experience. It's easy to play. It's easy to figure out. It's a theme everyone relates to. And my God, did they slap the Jurassic Park logo in enough places on this machine? I mean, take a look. There's like six times you can see the Jurassic Park logo just looking at the game front on. It was great seeing Jack on the Twitch AMA yesterday that he did in which he talked about the great challenge he had to overcome by putting so much into this game with the low bomb that it had. And I think he did a great job. I also think we will see Jack Danger's talents on more Stern machines moving forward. I think he is going to join the Stern design team. What else is happening with Stern Pinball? So Godzilla Pros are shipping right now. They're out on location. I'm waiting for Jack Bar to get their Godzilla Pros so I can go try this game out. The LEs are also on the line. These are the ones that are going overseas, but I expect Stern to have every LE in everyone's home by Thanksgiving, which is amazing. Something I've been noticing is that this Godzilla game is the most universally applauded game by the community right now. I am seeing so many people so happy about Godzilla, and that's a good thing. We all want to have games where we all can rally around them and appreciate the greatness that is pinball, and I think Godzilla is that game. Now, when people say this is like the game that everyone is loving on launch, well, there was another game that had equally the same amount of enthusiasm and love, and that was Guns N' Roses. And when the Guns N' Roses launch happened, it was incredible. Everybody was blown away. The launch video for GNR was the greatest launch video ever for pinball. Nothing will top that. Like, Godzilla didn't have that moment, right? It did not have that moment in which everyone saw it for the first time and was like, oh my god. It just didn't. Now, the question is this. 
we know the way the GNR story went and it didn't go good for the rest of the year with all the quality issues. So will the enthusiasm for Godzilla last? There is one issue that's starting to pop up and I hope this doesn't become a serious issue with the game and that is the magna grab. So that magnet that grabs the ball, it is overheating and it is turning off and people who have played this game extensively are noticing that. So I really hope Stern tested this thing and I really hope this doesn't become something that every owner has to now fix somehow. So time will tell on this magna grab mechanism because it's a super cool part of the game and it would suck if it turns off midway through gameplay. So hopefully, hopefully Stern is going to address this, but unfortunately, once again, the most expensive buyers, the LE owners, are most likely not going to get the fix if this thing needs to be fixed. And Stern is smart. They do rush out these LEs as fast as they can, even if there are some quality issues they haven't pinpointed yet. They do it every time and they're doing it again. All right, what else is happening with Stern Pinball? So, so Stern Insider Connect is rolling out, and Godzilla is really the first game in which people are connecting their Stern Insider Connect accounts to the game. It is very cool. I can't wait to try it. Now, I'm also very aware that this Insider Connect program opened the door for trolls to steal people's identities. And so someone has already taken Canada name, they've taken my personal name, and they've also made fun of me with the initials. Now, I spoke to George Gomez himself, and he understands that they are going to work this stuff out, that they're inundated right now with people signing up. But he did tell me they were going to take the Canada name back and they were going to make sure that I had the Canada name. They just need some time to figure everything out. So for those of you out there who are going on Stern Insider Connect and just stealing people's pin side profiles and doing this as a joke, it is funny. It is funny, but I hope Stern figures this out. I do think Stern is going to have to understand that when you open it up to the internet like this, you're going to have to police it a little bit. And as I showed on my Facebook page that I could take the name Gary Stern and have the initials be ASS and that that went through. So there has to be some sort of validating that they do that doesn't allow there to be like a million troll accounts in which the trolls can just insult all these people in the pinball community because I just don't think that's what this is about. Okay, on an unfortunate note, if you're going to Pinball Expo, the Stern Tour is no longer going to be in person. It is now going to be a virtual tour featuring George and Gary. So you'll be at Expo and they are going to go live to Stern virtually. Now, for many of you out there who are going to Expo who bought these passes, these were $60 passes, a lot of you scheduled your trip to arrive on Thursday for that tour. And this is a bummer. Like nobody wants to do that because a virtual tour, you could just go on YouTube and see a virtual tour of Stern. Stern could record it right now and just upload it. There's no reason to fly to Chicago and be there Thursday if you're not going to physically tour Stern. If you would like a refund, you should email them at info at pinballexpo.com and ask for a partial refund. I don't think you're going to get all of your money refunded, but some of that 60 bucks was going towards your tour of Stern Pinball. And so I feel bad for some dudes here. Their flights are booked and their rooms are booked, and now they might not want to come in Thursday 
but it is what it is. And obviously, they're doing this for COVID safety reasons, so don't beat them up too much. They didn't want it to be this way, but Stern needs to be safe, and they need to protect their employees, and their employees are working hard on all of these games. They've got to make Godzilla. The last thing you would want is someone to come in to Stern Pinball who's not vaccinated and get everybody there sick, and they have to shut down production for two weeks. It would cost them millions of dollars, and I'm sorry, but your presence inside their company is not worth it. It's just not. So let's keep everybody safe and don't complain and get a refund if you want a refund. Now, speaking of Pinball Expo, I am just going to have a very limited number of Canada merchandise there, just t-shirts and hoodies, and that's it. If you would like one, let me know. There's only going to be 30 t-shirts and 10 hoodies. So email me at canadapinball at gmail.com if you're going to be at Expo, what size you would like, and your phone number so I can text you when I'm there. I've got your merchandise, okay? I might have to find a way to drop all this off at one of the booths. If you have a table at Expo and you want to help Canada sell his merchandise, let me know, okay? All right, let's go on to Jersey Jack Pinball next. Not a lot of news over at Jersey Jack Pinball, but there is a new code update for Guns N' Roses. So if you have a Guns N' Roses, code update 1.24 is out. The major change in this is it adds score bit achievements to your GNR machine. So that is cool. So download that and you can start to go for those achievements. The other thing that's really cool is they added a very awesome new intro to the game, which has this really incredible spotlight effect in which the spotlight is going back and forth. It's very well done. It's very clever. It's not an actual spotlight. It looks like it's a spotlight because of the way the lights are lighting up. Now, someone said that they are ripping off Rick and Morty with this, but I just want to say this spotlight effect on Rick and Morty is nowhere near as cool as this because Guns N' Roses has so many more lights and the effect works way better on GNR than it ever did on Rick and Morty. And who cares? It's a really cool idea, and I love that they implemented it. You're probably wondering right now, you're saying, Kaneda, you, you started this podcast with, like, don't be cruel, and everything you're saying is nice and normal, but here's where I'm going to start to say some things that people might think are a little cruel, but I want to explain why I'm saying what I'm saying. Let's talk about Spooky Pinball for a minute. So first and foremost, for those of you who say that Canada does nothing good for pinball, do you think Spooky Pinball would be fixing the hedge multi-ball insert if it wasn't for Canada drawing attention to this? So I am hearing that they are actually going to fix this. They are going to change it so that the insert covers the entire word multi-ball. So it no longer will say hedge multi-ball. Now I applaud Spooky Pinball for this. They could have saved themselves thousands of dollars if they simply had asked Canada to look over their machine before they hit go on ordering all the parts. They definitely saw this at the factory because it's not just the hedge multi-ball insert. It's also the insert that's on the jack-o'-lantern, right? If you look at it, the jack-o'-lantern has a triangle nose. And is the insert that lights up triangular? No, it's like a hexagon. It seems like they clearly took the Ultraman playfield and slapped the Halloween over it. Now, none of those inserts are messed up on Ultraman. It's only Halloween that has the mistakes, which is also a kind of strange decision because Halloween is the bigger theme. It's the one you're going to make more games of, almost three times as many Halloweens as Ultraman. So sort of strange way to cut a corner 
that you didn't want to make any changes to the Halloween playfields. You wanted to just be able to order 1,750 playfields all cut the same way. And now look what they have to do. They have to go after the runs begun and make a change. That's more expensive and they should have caught this from the very beginning. And I think everybody agrees with that. The next thing I'm gonna say is going to be controversial. And the reason it's controversial is because for some reason, I feel like nobody really ever is able to speak their mind about how they really feel about new pinball machines, especially new pinball machines from Spooky. Unfortunately, here's what happens whenever there's a new Spooky pinball launch. You have the people who buy the games and they will defend these games to no end and they will tell you the games are great, right? You see it. The people who ordered these games who can't cancel their orders, they will unanimously defend them and say how incredible they are. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have spooky haters who just say the most ridiculous stuff about the games and they hate on these games so much and they jump into the ring to tell you like how bad these games are, how homebrew they are, how unfinished they are and how they're not worth it for the money. And that's what happens when a new machine comes out from spooky. You've got like one side of the spectrum or the other. So it's really hard to cover spooky pinball because the moment I say something that's not super positive, I get attacked by the people who ordered the game. And I definitely don't want to be like some hater on spooky pinball because I actually think spooky pinball launched this game at the right time. They sold every single one. Here's the problem. This game will always be a successful game for spooky pinball because they sold through every one. So nothing I say matters. Every game is sold through. Distributors probably have some of them sitting and waiting to sell them, but I still want to be able to give Spooky Pinball some constructive feedback on these games. Here's my feeling right now on both Halloween and Ultraman, and, and I've seen gameplay, I've played it myself. Do I think this is a great pinball machine right now? No, I think there's work to be done. Do I think the game sucks? No, I do not think the game sucks. I think the game has some great flow. I think the game has some great potential. But here's my one main issue with both Halloween and Ultraman after playing Halloween again and seeing a lot of Ultraman online. This is just my feeling. Here's my issue with both games right now, and my issue comes down to one word and one word only, and that word is wow. And by wow, I mean there's no wow toy, there's no wow mechanism, there's no wow mode. If you're going to make a pinball machine from the ground up, right, I, I think every game needs to be designed around at least just one one wow thing that physically interacts with the ball or creates a wow experience, right? It's like the Guns N' Roses light show and the concert feeling from that game is an incredible wow experience. And as I look at Spooky's Ultraman and Halloween, I'm just trying to find the wow in it and I can't find it. I don't get it from the three whack-a-mole things happening on the left side. I'm not wowed by the upper play field. I'm not wowed by the scoop or the inlane risers. I'm not wowed by the light show anymore because we've had much better light shows in pinball to date. And here's the thing. The artwork cannot be what the wow is in a pinball machine. You don't play the artwork. The ball doesn't interact with the artwork. So as great as these machines look, and they both do look great, I just can't find the one thing in it 
That's a wow. And I know this stuff has a lot in it, right? It's got subway systems. It's got ball locks. It's got this. It's got that. It's got in-lane risers. There's a lot of physical stuff in this game. But does any of the physical stuff actually create a wow moment while you're playing the pinball machine? And I just don't feel that. And maybe I'm being a jerk and am I being too cruel? But where is the wow? So now here's the issue for these games. When the wow isn't on the physical play field itself, and I don't think it is, then, then you need to rely on the code to create the wow. And I'm just not sold that the coding that's happening around these games is going to create that wow. Like it would be different if Lyman Sheets was working on these games and then you would be patient and you'd wait for that wow to arrive. So is Kaneda being a jerk? Am I being unfair? I think these games shoot super smooth. I think the upper play fields are really neat. I love the artwork. The light shows are great. The sound is cool, but I'm just missing that singular wow thing in this game. And I think every single pinball machine, I look at every machine this way. Here's the thing, every single pinball machine at these prices needs to have that wow thing. And here's how I define it. If you were to pull someone over to the machine and say to them, I can't wait to show you this. Wait till you see this happen. That is how you introduce a wow moment in pinball. Wait till you see the theater of magic trunk. Wait till you see the T-Rex grab the ball. Wait till you see the upper play field in Pirates of the Caribbean. Wait till you see the light show and the experience of live and let die in Guns N' Roses. Wait till you see the building in Godzilla go up and down and fall apart. Wait till you see the castle in Medieval Madness. I just don't think you can build a pinball machine at these prices and not have that wow in the game. Am I being a jerk? Am I wrong? Email me at canadapinball at gmail.com and I want to know what your feelings are on this. And I know if you bought a Halloween or Ultraman, you're locked into your purchase and that's fine. I want to support Spooky. I'm still in on Ultraman. I am. But I just get this feeling, this overwhelming pressure by these Halloween owners. They're just becoming incredible apologists right now. And they're just seeing what they want to see. And so I am asking all of you Halloween owners right now, what is the singular wow thing you see in this pinball machine that brings your love of Halloween to life besides the artwork? Okay? Email me at canadapinball at gmail.com and I want to read your answers, okay? Not hard. What's the wow in Theater of Magic? What's the wow in Circus Voltaire? What's the wow in Twilight Zone? What's the wow in Lord of the Rings? I would be inundated with people telling me what the wow things were in those games. And I'm asking you, what's the wow thing in Halloween or Ultraman? Come on, all you spooky owners, hit me up. All right, Kaneda, stop. What are you doing? You're going to upset everybody. You're not going to win a fifth Twippy if you keep speaking this truth. All right, I got two more companies I want to cover. And, and I want to cover Pinball Brothers Alien, and I want to cover Haggis Pinball, who put out an update. And I want to talk about Haggis's update. Let's talk about Pinball Brothers Alien. So, real quickly, there's a civil war brewing between highway pinball owners and pinball brother owners of Alien. Now, here's what I think is happening with this whole thing, is that there are many highway owners that worked really hard to fix their games over the years, and they've sort of created some of the solutions that Pinball Brothers is now implementing into the new games. And I think these highway owners are feeling underappreciated. 
They're almost feeling like their game is yesterday's news and nobody wants to take the time anymore to focus on making those games bulletproof and all of it's about the Pinball Brothers version of Alien. It's almost like they feel like they deserve more love. That if Pinball Brothers creates some solutions, they would like to get access to some of those things as well. I always feel like they want Pinball Brothers to make some fixes for the highway games, which is never going to happen. But I also think there's another interesting aspect to all of this that's really under the surface. And that is this. A lot of collectors bought the Highway Pinball Alien game. And they bought the game feeling like it was never going to be made again. And they really wanted to have a rare collectible. They did. And they really wanted to have something where there might only be 200 in the world. And now that there's going to be a thousand LV machines that are built better, that have better features, that are going to hold up better, they're feeling somewhat upset that their thing is no longer this rare collectible. But here's the good news for everyone that doesn't really care that much. And, and I'm part of that camp. Like, I just don't care. Like, I didn't think Andrew Highway's game needed to be remade. I'm so tired of these companies that fail and people pick up the baton and have to keep pushing these failed projects forward. Like, at what point are we done with it? From what I can see as an outside observer, both of these games, both the Pinball Brothers version and the Highway version, have nothing but issues. Every time I open up the thread, it's always issues with these games. These games were never built well from the beginning. And even though they've tried to make them better and they are better, they are still games that seem to be a maintenance nightmare. And the problem is you get some of these rich collectors who like never played their highway alien. So they like they'll play it 10 times a month and be like, my game's fine. Like nothing ever happened because you don't play your game. You don't play your game. But if you want to put a few hundred games on a highway pinball alien, you're going to have issues unless you change like 10 things in the game. And even the Pinball Brothers version seems to be problematic. And again, this is what happens. It's not super simple to course correct and fix a machine that had a lot of design problems and you don't really have proper testing of these machines until you have them in people's homes. So we'll see, we'll see if these LV versions of Alien have better quality, but for the most part, I mean, kind of buy this game if you love the theme, but if you don't love working on a pinball machine and lifting the hood frequently, I would stay away. I really would. Oh, Canada, you are so cruel on this podcast. You're telling people not to buy Alien because it's problematic. You're pushing Spooky to put more wow into their machines. You're such a cruel podcaster. So let's end this episode of Canada is a cruel podcaster with one final company. And I want to talk about a company that on April 26th, 2021 this company announced that they were going to be making fathom pinball and when they announced they'd be making fathom pinball and the order banks opened up april 26 they said to people manufacturing is scheduled to begin on july 1st with the plan to build 50 per month at the new facility okay april may june july august september october we are almost at November in two weeks. So that is six months have gone by and not a single Fathom pinball machine is on the line. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering because Damien put up a video. I'm wondering at what point do we start to see some red flags and are we seeing the same thing happen all over again? And for some reason, I cannot understand a very simple principle. If you're a successful businessman, and you made money doing something in life, and you also like pinball, 
I'm just confused by the synaptic leap of men who make money doing something else in the world who wake up one day and say they want to get into not only manufacturing, but pinball manufacturing. One of the most difficult things to possibly do on planet Earth is to set up a pinball manufacturing assembly line. A machine that has thousands of parts in which all of those parts need to be in one place at one time. And it's not just that. You've got to deal with designers and artists and line workers and vendors and parts coming from all over the place. Why would anyone wake up and think that's a good idea? If you wanted to get closer to the hobby you love, maybe start as a distributor, maybe start as a salesperson, maybe get your feet wet in pinball, maybe make some toppers, maybe start small before you jump right in to making a full-blown machine with absolutely zero knowledge on manufacturing. And it's not just me saying that Damien has zero knowledge in manufacturing. Let's listen to what he says. Uh, I know I didn't come from a manufacturing background, but I did come from a corporate professional services type background environment, worked with many, many teams, many businesses, many companies. Okay, so right there is red flag number one, that you've worked with many teams and many people and many businesses out in the world. So have I in the world of marketing. And I'll tell you this, 20 years of doing what I've done in the marketing world has given me no greater understanding on how to set up a pinball manufacturing facility. And so none of that knowledge is really that transferable. Like it is a very, very difficult thing to set up something. Okay, so that's red flag number one. I also would give Damien some advice if I were media training him that I probably wouldn't say the following. Never, never stop learning. For all of you that have followed along on this journey with me from the very start, you will know the position that I came into this business and into this hobby from. And it was one pretty much of zero zero knowledge so okay so i'm not sure that's going to make you feel super confident of how he's scaling up his business now if you've been following damien and haggis pinball throughout COVID, you know that they have a large facility they've hired a bunch of people and when you have zero knowledge of manufacturing and how to do this right here's the main issue i think they're running into their ambition and their ability to know what to do might be worlds apart and we're clearly seeing that, right? Like they announced Fathom in April and said games would ship in July. So what were they looking at that made them put that date on the table? And you really can't use COVID as the only excuse because has Stern Pinball not announced and made and shipped games throughout COVID? Has Spooky Pinball not announced, made and shipped games during COVID? So COVID was a thing in April when they were announcing these games were going to ship in July. Now we've seen this before, right? It's kind of eerily similar how we've seen this before where a new to market pinball company gets really ambitious, announces game number two before they finish making game number one. Have we seen this before? All the Celts orders did not go out. And not only that, they're starting to put expectations about how many games they can make a month. Now here's what happens is that because these gentlemen don't really know much about manufacturing and they've never done this before, Every single move they make is a learning experience for them. Here's the scary part about boutique pinball that's figuring it out as they go. When you invest money in them, is your money going to the parts they need to build Fathom or is your money going to them learning how to figure out manufacturing? Is your money going to them hiring staff to figure out how to scale this thing up? That's the problem. 
because he's put a price on every fathom that needs to take into account labor costs and part costs and keeping this company afloat. So if you go six months and the line's not moving and you've hired all these people and you have this big facility, you are now entering into a red zone, are you not, in which money is going out the door every month, but no new money is coming in and no games are getting built and going out the door. And you start to make mistakes like clearly they made. Listen to what they say about how many employees they scaled up to and how many employees they are at now. And again, is this not a red flag? So the ranks swelled um, quite a fair bit. Initially, we were up to about 19 staff members and we were pushing hard pretty much in every area of the business. CNC machine, the prep area upstairs on the mez, uh, the final assembly wasn't even really in existence at that point, but the print room as well upstairs, the metal press, you know, every area we sort of hit the ground running and the intent was to meet all these fairly tough targets that I had hoped that supported that sort of model and got us moving quickly within the timelines that we needed. Unfortunately, that didn't quite pan out. Uh, you know, we have needed to restructure ourselves internally a little bit and numbers have now re-solidified at 10 people. Okay, so you scale up, you have all these people, you have 19 people, now you have 10. So that's a huge reduction in the workforce. And so now you have 10 people. He goes on to say that they're gonna start ramping up again as they get closer to Fathom production. But again, remember this, 19 people, getting paid, getting a salary every week, buying all that expensive machinery, where's the money coming in? They didn't sell enough Celts to absorb all that. Did they sell enough Fathoms to absorb all that? Six months of rent, months of salaries. You see how this really starts to become a slippery slope. And again, the people who do this, these aren't broke people off the street. And I don't know how much money Damien is starting with. I don't know who his investors are, but I know when I hear stuff like this, that's clearly poor planning that you go to 19 people and have to let half of your workforce go. Okay, but there's something even scarier in all of pinball. It's that when you are transparent, and I mean this, when you are transparent to the community, sometimes people don't even want to hear the words you're saying. They just applaud the fact that you're transparent. And I'm here to tell you right now, everyone who listens to Canada's Pinball Podcast, because you are a transparent, jovial person does not mean you are capable of setting up a pinball manufacturing company. And I wanna play this last clip for you and listen to the very last words they tell us and ask yourself, has Stern Pinball ever had to say this to you to feel good? Has Jersey Jack, has Spooky Pinball? So let me play this. You know, I, I hope as well, if you've been following along since the very start of this, one thing I have always tried to be is transparent and honest. You have seen all of the mistakes that I've made. You have seen all the things I've had to learn and discover and figure out. And you know, one thing I hope that you understand when it comes to me and it comes to really the whole team here at Haggis is that we do not give up. All right, there you have it. Have you ever heard Stern say, we're going to get you your Mandalorian people because we don't give up. There's this sense. And again, I just keep hearing these words of like, you invested in Damien and Haggis and the team there learning how to do all this. And look, this is boutique pinball. This is the same story over and over and over again. Do I wish that Haggis Pinball succeeds? Yes. Do I hope they figure this all out? Yes. Is it a good sign that Celts are on the line and Celts are going out the door? 
yes. I am not arguing whether or not they can eventually screw machines together and get them to customers. What I am worried about is the long-term viability of a company that is doing it this way because why would you here's where i have the issue why would you open up order banks on a game when that game was not yet on the line why are we investing in him figuring out these mistakes that's the part that i want to stick up for are you consumers because that's what you invested in if you gave money six months ago your machine is not being built and you have no idea yet where your money went. Now, I also know that in the world of pinball, there are some very wealthy men, like the pinball brothers spent millions of dollars with Andrew Highway just to figure this stuff out. Damien is clearly pumping six, seven figures into this to figure it out. My bone to pick is not really with Damien. It's more with the community that runs at this stuff every single time it happens. And the community is so susceptible to this. All you have to be is transparent, even if your transparency is telling people you really don't know what you're doing. This was the first comment on Pinside after this video was posted. Are you ready for it? The first Pinside comment is, that is encouraging. Great, honest update on what's going on. Are you kidding me? Are you guys really kidding me? You spent money six months ago on a machine you were expecting in July. It's been six months and now you get a video like this and you're encouraged by it. That's the problem that I've always noticed in pinball is you have people that just champion these things and want to support this stuff and nobody doesn't want Haggis to succeed. But at what point, at what point are we done with this pre-order model? This is another pre-order model. You gave money on a machine that was not ready for manufacturing. A company took your money when they were not ready to make your game. I don't like this behavior. I will never like this behavior. And if you're going to do that, start small. But again, 19 employees. Let's ask Charlie Emery how many employees Spooky Pinball had when they made America's Most Haunted, which sold way more games than Celts. Okay, why are these guys all of a sudden in a big facility? Why are they spending a lot of money on machinery? Why are they scaling up when their model right now hasn't shown them where to scale to? They don't know how big this company needs to be. But once again, it's like a miniature version of Deep Root where your ambitions, they want you to be in that nice building. They want you to have all that fancy machinery. They want you to have all those employees. But here's what you have to do to succeed in business. You have to grow slowly. You have to earn that big building. You have to earn that revenue to buy that equipment until that day comes. Unless you want to personally finance this thing, then fine. I guess there's no point in even analyzing these companies if everything is personally financed. But man, you see how easy it is, even when you have millions of dollars, it is to fail at pinball manufacturing. It is the hardest thing to do. It is a very difficult thing to do. And when you do become a boutique company, you have to scale up slowly and you have to make games that people want. And if you ask me, I think Haggis is scaling up too big with people, with facilities, bringing on Marty. They have new designers. They're talking about games three, four, five. No, just make one successful game, then make number two. It never ceases to amaze me how all of these companies do it wrong. It's like they're selling you on their intentions and they're selling you on their ambition, 
but their ability needs to catch up to those ambitions. And when your ability can't catch up to your ambitions, I don't care how bad you want to dunk a basketball, but if you're not tall enough, then maybe you become a three-point shooter. And if you don't have the ability to manufacture yet, then maybe you don't take money on games that you know you can't manufacture in two months. And I think that's a fair way to look at it. It's something nobody else will say on any show because now I'm the bad guy. Damien, I still wish you luck. I know you're a good guy. I want you to succeed. But I do need to call this fairly and I need to call it as I see it. And no other shows will do this and I'll take the arrows in the back that Canada's a cruel guy. But this is why this show is number one. This is why we crossed a threshold yesterday. 210 Patreon supporters somewhere out there. Somewhere out there all the haters are realizing that they failed. That the show just keeps getting better and better. And more and more people are hanging out with Canada on Facebook. And more and more people are going to be rocking Canada merchandise at Expo. I can't wait to see your Viva La Raza shirts. Bring them to Expo. But anyway, everyone, this has been episode episode 622 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. If you agree or disagree, let me know at canadapinball at gmail.com. And Damien, you are absolutely welcome to the show if you want to come on. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation about this because, again, I want to see them succeed, but I'm seeing some red flags. And my door is always open for anyone to join. They know where to find me. Everybody, Canada out. Don't be cruel to hard, it's true. Don't be cruel to a heart that's true I don't want no other love Baby, it's just you I'm thinking of